Welcome to Conversations with Toy, a blogcast tackling life one episode at a time. This is the time to air out life's craziest moments. This space is all about speaking about life's hang-ups and ways in which we can leave better than when we started. Topics are all about ways we can find space to be better in life, love, mental space and health. Happy Friday. I am so excited as usual and always to have you in this space. If this is your first time tuning into Conversations with Toy, remember that this is always going to be a safe space, a safe space for us to talk about all kinds of things that may or may not be taboo. We talk about mental uh, health. We talk about self-care. We talk about living with intention We talk about it all. We talk about social media um, as a recap sometimes. So we talk, we, we pretty much dip our little pinky toe in every little thing. So I'm glad that you're here. Please don't let this be the last time. Come back, review a few of the other podcasts that you might have missed. We are in season three. This is episode five and I'm excited. I'm excited. So as we discussed last episode, we are celebrating today. Do you know what today is? It's my Philadelphia anniversary. So what that simply means, today is the day that I have been in Philadelphia for 10 years. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, girl, all right, all right. But let me just tell you, we're going to talk about it all. There's some nuggets and some lessons that I've learned in these 10 years. And we're going to try to dig into it as much as possible. We're going to try to keep this under an hour because let me tell you, I've been through some things moving to this big city of Philadelphia from a small town. So let's get started. All right. So what actually led me to Philadelphia? My now husband at the time, he and I were dating. I had my daughter and it was amazing. We had gotten engaged in October and it was just this thought process like, okay, we're, we're getting engaged, obviously to be married. So he definitely wasn't coming to move where I was. So obviously I was going to move where he was. And he has been born and raised here in Philadelphia his entire life. So it was understood. I think even when we were dating in college, and again, you've probably listened to him on the podcast, uh, Store Love, if you want to go back to that podcast, we share our ups and downs with just different things from mental health and everything. And we're going to touch a little bit about that today. But again, when we met in college, you know, we didn't date the entire way through about 75% way through of college. And we went our separate ways after separate ways afterward. And so here we are uniting again, have this amazing daughter. And then he proposed in an amazing way. And again, it was just the next logical step was for me to move here. And at the time, it was now not a matter of if it was now a matter of when. So we decided, obviously, um, during 10 years ago, obviously, there was a huge, huge financial crisis. My job at the time was downsizing by the hundreds. And I mean, the hundreds every single day, there was groups of people that were being let go. Financial aid just could not carry us all. They began to outsource to other companies overseas. I mean, it was just a whole thing. So when I found out that I was 
obviously being let go, it was a hurt piece. Let me not just, you know, let me not act like it was just the greatest thing. Like, oh, I'm downsizing. This is the time to move. Like, it, it wasn't like that. For me, it was a hurt piece because at the time, my daughter, she was barely one and or just about to be two. And, you know, my daughter at the time, she had asthma really, really bad from birth. So we were in and out the hospitals quite often. I'm talking about to the point where I had to actually have. So I would have to have clothes like a whole suitcase of clothes packed in the trunk. No lie. Every single time I went to the hospital, I just would replenish the bag. Because I learned in the beginning when we would go to the hospital a few times a week. Now, granted, that was in addition to going to her doctor. So we weren't just jumping off going to the hospital just because I was a new mom and scared. It had nothing to do with that. As a new mom, I knew to outsource to her pediatrician. And then from there, they were sending us straight to the hospital. And every time, I want to say about 98% of the time, they would take us from the doctors. If I went into that hospital, 98% of the time she was being kept. So how was I navigating this space with this new baby and she's sick? Well, a large part of that was I had a great support system. I had a best friend that would come and she would take, you know, her and her, her husband who happens to be my cousin would take turns basically getting my child or somebody would stay at the hospital so I can work a shift. Or I had another cousin who would, um, he would literally get off of work of third shift and go sit at the hospital in the daytime, sometimes until I even got off of work. And this was my life for weeks, months, over a year, really, to be honest with you, even over about two to three years. So to my surprise, when I was, you know, a part of the downsizing, it broke my heart because I thought to myself, my God, what am I going to do? How am I going to feed this baby? How am I going to take care of her? Her medication alone, even with the best of insurance, was super high. Like it was super high. There was times, you know, outside of talking to my fiance at the time and outsourcing with him. You know, and there was times like in the beginning where I just didn't feel like, you know, like, oh, um, you know, he had his own stress going on. But I was going to ask him. However, we worked together to make it happen. And here I am moving to Philadelphia now that I've, you know, everything downsized. I was like, OK, well, I don't have this job stopping me from moving to Philadelphia. So I might as well go ahead and make that move right now. So the move went happened. I was excited and just grateful like yes this is great we're going to have our family in one house one under one roof but there was a kicker <laughs> there was a there was several kickers one of the biggest kickers that we soon discovered two days after I moved everything in two days 48 hours after I moved in I started feeling really sick and guess what I was pregnant with baby number two so let me just say this for women. My neither one of the children were like traditionally planned. However, one thing I will say is that I didn't do enough to take care of myself to make sure that I made sure I took care of my body to make sure that I wasn't ready to have that second child. So nonetheless, not that it was all on me, but just to take my full responsibility of that. Here comes baby number two. And. I was like in complete, complete and utter shock. 
So we're moving. 48 hours after we moved in, we have a new baby. Now, to some people, this may be the first time you're hearing this, but for plenty of my readers who follow me on my blog at www.toytime.org, know that when I first moved to Philadelphia, we moved in with my mother-in-law. And that was a very interesting situation. Now we never told anybody, or we may have told like extremely few people that we had a five-year plan. And in this five-year plan, we were going to make sure that all of our debts were taken care of so that once we moved into a home after we got married, we would just have this foundation would be completely secure. And this was the plan. Five years, pay off both sets of debts, make sure everything was taken care of so that, again, once we moved into our home, that we would be fine. When we talked about this five-year plan, it sounded great. It made perfect sense. But the one thing, the biggest thing that I kept telling myself was that, oh, I can stay with my mother-in-law. No big deal. Now, she's not here. She's passed on. So I won't even get into all the ins and outs, but I will say it was not a walk in a park. I personally have lived on my own for quite some time. And when you live in your own space and you have your own space to come into another woman's space for me just did not work. I have heard some beautiful stories of some amazing daughter-in-laws and mother-in-laws who just, you know, it's almost like an extension of themselves or extension of their mom. That was definitely not the case. And so moving here was not the best idea. And I won't say necessarily moving here. I would say moving in with my mother-in-law was not the best of ideas. So about a few years in, I don't even know, it, let me be real, it didn't take that long. It probably took a couple of weeks. And I kept telling myself, you know, this is temporary, this is temporary, but five years is not necessarily a full temporary feel. Five years is a long time. And so as the, as the second child had been born, we began to just get, you know, settle in. There was so many arguments, fussing and fighting. And what I mean by fighting, I don't mean physical, but just so much back and forth and dramas and fires. And I will be the first to admit, there's been a lot of it where I had caused it because again, I wanted to be in my own space. And at the time of the five-year plan, because I was so gun ho so in love and just wanting our family to be together, I never even considered how I would feel about the situation at all. My feelings about the situation was put on the back burner. I knew what was best for my child and then what became best for my two children. And I just knew that being together in one house made sense. However, hindsight, of course, is always 50-50. If I could go back in time, I would still be married to my husband. I would still want our family underneath one roof. But I would have not have come here and stayed in Philadelphia and lived with my mother-in-law. And the reason is because I think all queens need to be in their own space, period. It's not about my mother-in-law being at fault. It's not about me being at fault. It's about two queens living in the same space. Every queen needs their own, own kingdom, period. They need to be in the space of their own. They don't need to have other influences of someone doing certain things. I might like my dishes a certain way. You like your dishes a certain way. Now we fighting over who the fork goes, which way. Every queen needs their own space. So that is why I honestly believe that if I could go back, I would change that. 
So I know we had the five-year plan about saving money and doing those things, but I think that if we would have rethought it, there was so many creative ways that we could have done so by still paying our debt down and having our own space that we could have made it work. But at the time, at the time, it was the best situation for us. Again, after having my son, that's when I realized that I was dealing with postpartum. I did not feel the, the, the sense of postpartum as deeply as I did with my son. But again, my situation was completely different. I had a C-section with all three of my children because I do have three. And at the time when I had my daughter, she was she was so sick, she didn't even come home with me. So I had to deal with the trauma of leaving my daughter while she was in NICU and me going home, the guilt that I felt behind that. I didn't even have time to process postpartum. I didn't have time to delve into that because I was trying to get my body together because I needed to go back to work. One of the things that struck me very early on in the game with my daughter was realizing that first of all, because I ended up going into labor with her six weeks ahead, I had um, emergency, I think not an emergency, but I don't even know what short term disability, but my short term disability said that if I went into labor before at least the eight or an eight and a half months, that I wasn't even going to get paid off of that insurance. So be very careful if you have short term disability and you're thinking about having a family, be super, super careful. The policy that I had that I got through my my job basically screwed me that I was basically getting paid the amount of money that it would cost to pay a cell phone bill. Now, man, now, mind you, I had a rent to pay. I had a cell phone bill to pay. Everything else had to get paid, right? Groceries had to be bought. You can't have a child and pay $40, $50 or $60, $70 at the time because this was 10 years ago. We ain't talking about cell phone bills right now. We're talking about 10 years ago. So just put that in perspective and it made the move seem so much better because now my husband at the time or my fiance didn't have to send money back and forth between two different homes. So here we are in one house struggling like hell. No support system for me, a toddler and now a newborn child. To say that my hands and my heart were full is an understatement. I enjoyed the as- the aspects of being a mom. Like even now, me being a mom is just one of those things you just can't put into put into words. I enjoyed being the mom that was hands on, the mom that made, you know, I used to make field trips like every Tuesdays and Thursdays. I would take my, you know, mostly for the oldest because at the time my son, he was too little. He just kind of went for the ride watching her light her eyes light up as she went to the bookstores on Tuesdays and listened to uh, other kids listen to stories and then after getting a treat at Barnes and Nobles like those are types of things that we used to do and we had a field trips we had a whole curriculum I had her studying I had her learning Monday Wednesday and Friday Tuesdays and Thursdays were field trips and fun I had a curriculum but you know what I didn't have a curriculum for my for myself I didn't know anything about self-care self-care was like a uh, a cuss word to me because I know nothing about it. Everybody kept telling me things like sleep when the baby goes to sleep. Well, listen, you can only sleep when the baby goes to sleep because by the time that baby goes to sleep, I still have a toddler to take care of. My fiance has to go to work. I'm not working. I'm home with two kids. You know how much daycare is? Can somebody cal- calculate that? That's some people who I want her to have a family. Please do your calculations, sis. Do your calculations. It's not cheap 
to put a newborn or even a two month old child in nobody's daycare. If your child is under one years old, you pretty much paying mortgages at this point. And especially in the Philadelphia area. So it didn't make sense for me to go to work. So I didn't. So I was a stay at home mom for about two, two and a half years. Let me explain something to you. Do you not know? Let me tell you right now. Do you not know that I was a hard headed? Still never learned my lesson with the whole birth control situation, right? The day, the week, practically the week that I actually went back to work and went back into the um, working field after. Now, let me just say something. For um, especially for a stay at home mom or somebody who's been out the field for a long time. The way that I got my that job when I started it, when they would say, oh, you know, how do you feel like being, you know, handle management, you know, managing things and thinking, you know, hang, handling things as they come and, you know, multitasking. I'm like, listen, I have two kids under three years old. So if you are a stay home mom or somebody who's been out the field for a while, learn to use the skill sets that you already develop every single day. Can I handle, can I multitask? Have you ever had to grab your two, your two year old and change a, a, a poopy diaper or a blowout at the same time? Yes, I can multitask like nobody's business. Even to this day, my multitasking skills has been on point. I've been fine tuning that thing since second grade. So I can handle all the curveballs without any problem. But the week that I found out that I started this job, I found out I was pregnant with baby number three. So here I am about to go into the workforce, pregnant with baby number three. So now this, this baby is going into daycare, right? Or at least that's what the plan was. So off the bat, I'm like, okay, whatever I'm working, whatever money I'm making, I'm definitely paying it to somebody else to keep my kid. But the flip of that is, is that I'm outside having adult interaction. And it's sad when you start saying adult interaction is going to work, but that's what it basically boiled down to. And so the job that I had wanted me to work. They were like, listen, we will work with you. They allowed me to bring my newborn child. Now, granted, she was a baby a couple of weeks old to work after I had again C-section. So it was about, she was about two months. So they allowed me to bring her to work every single day. And I was a nursing mom. So I was pumping one side, nursing her on the other side, putting my bags of milk with my name on it, bringing it home. And the whole nine really to stack up so she can go to daycare and we would be fine. But this child, my lovely baby, decided that she would do this thing where she wasn't going to drink out of a bottle and never did. Never drink out of a bottle. She would not go to my husband. She would stay on me 24 seven and she did not want me to go anywhere. So there was no leaving this particular child home. There was no leaving this particular child in daycare because when I did attempt to put her into daycare, I had to leave that job that I was only there for less than a year. I had to leave it all together because I could not, the doctors couldn't get her. I had lactation consultants. Nobody can get this child to go to a bottle. So I became the bottle, the pacifier, the everything. And that takes a stress and strain on you. But I was dealing with this postpartum with my son. Let's go back. And I remember having this really manic episode happen. And I talked about this on the podcast before where I was in here like, almost having like an outer body experience, like screaming, yelling, um, talking about calling the police on my fiance. I'm just literally out of it. And I don't even know that's more like postpartum psychosis, but whatever the case, it was bad. 
So I had to go finally get some help, get some therapy, get myself together and get my self care. But you know, the lessons that I learned on the law of this, first of all, I wasn't received well from some people who had started seeing the, the changes that I was going through with postpartum. That's number one. Number two, the friends and the family that stuck by me and some didn't even a lot of people didn't even know like some people are hearing this for the very first time are like oh my god yes this was happening in this 10 years that I, of me living here in Philadelphia and the podcast I'm mean, not the podcast but the blog was really started after my treatment my therapist thought that I needed to get something that was just for me and something that was creative and something that had to do with writing blogging just made sense in that the stress that I placed upon my family and when I say my family, I, I specifically mean my husband because in between this point, we didn't got married. We had this third baby. I went back to work, basically working to pay somebody else to keep my kids. It wasn't until a few years ago when I realized like I need to work a part time job and and bank all that money while the kids are in school or whatever the case are maybe or I need to work at night. And that's what I would start doing. So that's when I would be hustling, working at night, blogging a day, working at night to make a couple extra dollars and literally just doing whatever I needed to do. In this 10 years, I learned about myself and I learned to make new friends. And I learned that although my husband is an amazing man and although he is an amazing father, in order for me to survive and to thrive, it cannot be just specifically about him. And it could, my life could not rotate around my kids, although I'm a dynamic mother, right? I'm the mom that notices every holiday and we celebrate every little thing and we do all the wonderful things. My life cannot be just about being a mom and my life cannot be just being his little wife, right? Like Beyonce said, my life has to be about something that makes me feel fulfilled and my life has to have purpose. The blog literally gives me that purpose. The podcast gives me that purpose. And in those things, I had to reach out of myself and not be afraid to come into Philadelphia and socialize, right? As I started having social anxiety after college, I want to say two years after college, I don't have no idea where it came from. Let me tell you something. And my college friends listen to my podcast all the time. I was the life of the party. I'm here to party. I'm ready to dance, get a little couple drinks. I'm here for it all, right? I never had any problem making friends. Whether I knew you in the room, I could come up and speak to you. I just never had that problem. So I don't know where the social anxiety just all of a sudden popped out, but it came. And I honestly believe a lot of it was going back home right after college and not having the thought process of moving away from my town. Let me just say, I love my small town where I'm, where I'm from, but I should have went and outsourced myself because coming back home made more damage because again, after living on your own, then having to come, not necessarily back home to my parents, but just having to come back into this small town, having my own small mindedness, because not everybody that lives in a small town is small minded. But when you are small minded, living in a small town, then you live like that. And it's just not a good look. The transition of moving from Lancaster, which is where I'm from to Philadelphia has been a struggle because again, having to find out what made me happy 
and putting my social anxiety to the side to go out and meet new people. The blog made me meet new people. As I started to get invited to different events in the city, I could not operate by going to these events and being scared to speak up. I couldn't be afraid to network. I couldn't be afraid for people, the restaurant owners or brands to see how dope of an individual I am because closed mouths don't get fed. And in this, in, in blogging and influence, the one thing you have to do is you have to be willing to put yourself out there and be rejected and still go home and be okay. And for so many people who want to blog and podcast and they want to be an influencer and they want to do these different things, it's going to take being able to speak and speak well of yourself in a room that I want everyone in that room to say, remember, I talked to Toy, you talked to Toy too, girl, you talked to Toy. Oh, yeah, I had such a pleasant time when I talked to Toy. I, people have to know my name so I can't be in a room in a corner shuttered. The confidence that I have right now. I probably would not have had if I did not move to Philadelphia. I don't even think the blog would have even been a thing. And how unfortunate, like you have to understand something and I'm trying to keep my emotions in check. When you come across somebody, the way the fragrance that you leave behind can be something that's sour or it can be something that's sweet. And when people come into my context, even if they think like, oh man, I don't know if I should approach her. If they First of all, make sure that people can approach you. That's number one. But after they leave you, if somebody leaves me personally, I want them to feel uplifted. I want them to feel like they had five seconds of whatever they may have been going through could be put on hold and they're feeling like they were fed. Like even when you listen to this podcast, I want you to get something because there's another woman, right? Who is listening to this right now, who is second guessing everything about herself. But I want you to hear me and hear me clearly. If I, who was in the most mental health disaster and didn't even know it, can pull myself up from the bottom, you can too. Philadelphia grew me. College enlightened me. It was in college where I discovered parts of myself. And I had to grow there too. But being a woman, a mother, a wife, a friend in Philadelphia has made me stronger. It has made me realize that first of all, I'm about to be 40 this year. I really am not interested in just doing all the most for folks. Like I'm not here to play this game of acceptance. I am going to be authentically me because that's who you're going to get every time you cross my path. So in these 10 years, when I tell you, I have stories upon stories upon stories upon stories, but you know what they are? They're called testimonies upon testimonies upon testimonies. My husband and I have been through it in Philadelphia. The fact that our marriage is still standing is a testament. The fact that we're still loving each other is a testament. The fact that I'm the mother who I am is a testament. I had to deal with me to get through to be the person that I'm at right now. 10 years of being in the city. It took me four years to one stop having kids. 
that's number one number two after the the smoke cleared now I have my three children there will be no more don't ask because there will be no more but learning to be set beyond them and the stress that I caused my fiance at the time my husband now because I just couldn't figure me out or such battle wounds but one thing about battle wounds is that when you look at the scar that remains, you remember those hard times and you appreciate the good. And I'm not talking about just struggling. I'm just talking about going through an internal struggle. It has no nothing really to do with the other people that are added to the situation and what they look like and appear. I am telling you, these 10 years have been crazy. These 10 years have proved to me that it doesn't matter where I go in this world. I'm going to be okay. So I learned to take care of me. I learned to say, I'm sorry, I need to go see my therapist. I learned to say I need a break. You know what I also learned? That city of Philadelphia has some of the most amazing food, the most amazing restaurants, the most, ama the most amazing people. You just got to know who to get around. And once you get around a certain people and you realize how genuine they are stick close because Philadelphia can eat you alive too I wanted my friendships with people to not be an extension of my husband alone when I first moved here my husband was introducing me to people I just was I never gravitated too well because again the stubbornness of I don't want my friends to just be friends of his because I didn't need them to be always associated with him and that's a word don't have all your friends be just a part of your spouse because if something happens to that spouse your friendships leave that's just the truth but you could still take that situation and flip that and then outsource all through different networks of people but when your mind is not right when you're dealing with things that you haven't dealt with, like with the postpartum, like with the mental health, who was able, who had time to worry about a friend? These 10 years have meant the absolute world to me. The last, th I want to say three years, three years. I have to shadow Aversa PR. And I know he is the type of person that probably wouldn't want this whole big flack. And people just think, you know, that you call up certain PR and you just want to get into places. That was never my case. I genuinely just wanted to build relationships with people and meet new people. I had no idea that one relationship could open my life to so many different things. You have no idea the amount of people that will come into contact that I've met through Reversa PR who I have now have relationships with that I can send an email and support them in any type of way and they can support me back. Because when I go to things in the city, I make sure again, that when people encounter me, it matters that they remember who I am. Not just because I want them to know my name just so I can name drop. But because I want them to realize that if they call on me for something, I'm going to give you the very best that I have my blogs are going to be 100% It's going to be right. So I have to shout out Aversa PR. I probably have not seen the city in any dynamic way like I've learned 
by sticking close to Aversa PR. So shout out to Aversa PR. Corey Aversa, you know who you are. The friendships that I've made in these last 10 years have been truly amazing. But I've also lost a couple of friendships. You lose things as you grow. I lost friendships because a lot of my friends didn't have kids. And so they couldn't relate to the f- point where like, listen, you can't invite me to every little thing and expect for me to come. But there was a part of me that just didn't come to anything because again, my social anxiety, me just being a new mom, I didn't really want to tap into all of that. So I've lost friends. And I never understood that when people would say, oh, man, I lost friends and all my friends became, you know, non mommy friends. And so then they just couldn't understand the struggle. Like, I'm okay with having friendships that are eclectic. Like my friends are not all moms. My friends are not all married. My friends are not all whatever. Everybody's a different phase of their life. That's what makes it amazing. But in all different phases, if I have a friend that's divorced, I may not be so extra flauntish of my marriage. If I have a friend that's struggling with a baby, I just don't always talk about my kids. You have to learn the cycle, the circle that you're in. So for the friends that I lost, it, it was hurtful. But either they'll circle back around or they were there for a season. That's just what I believe. In 10 years, I've had, you know, when I came I pretty much came in the door with two children here in Philadelphia. Well, at least one here and one on the way. Two of my children were born here in Philadelphia. I've had major surgeries since then. I've had life-changing surgeries that I probably know within my heart that if I was back in my hometown, I probably might not have made it through it because Philadelphia has some of the most amazing doctors and doctor teams and hospitals here. There's no way that when I was diagnosed with a blood clot in my brain with my third child, there's no physical way I could have been at home. I probably would have died. There's no way. So I have so many things that it seemed like they were going crazy, but they made me who I needed to be, period. And... One thing that I've learned was to make my own situation. How to turn some things around. How to lean more back into myself to trust my instinct. One of the things I appreciated about myself when I turned 18 was I was just so strong headed. I knew exactly what I wanted. I knew how to get it. And then along the lines, after just the drama that I've ensued back in college and just, you know, Everything after that, it broke me to the a little bit. Like it melted this part of me that I had already made up in my mind. This overachiever, this person had to get straight A's, this person who had everything in its place, perfection, perfection, perfection. It melted all of that. And there was some years when I used to be like, oh my gosh, I wish I could go back. But now I realize None of that was necessary. None of those things were going to make me any a better human than the trials and tribulations that I've had to go through that made me who I am right now. 
I am a better human, a better person just from listening and going through the things that I went through and then learning the lessons, learning them, applying them, walking them every single day. When I was trying to get back into the working field after having my two children, well, I guess, no, two children, because yeah, my two children in the beginning, that rejection of hearing no, or I was like, I've heard people say, you're too qualified. I'm like, I'm too qualified. That's a thing. I was always used to going into an interview, killing it, walking out the door and leaving. Job in hand. When you live in Philadelphia, just as a major city, there's 20 other people that came before you that's just as qualified. So the, the, the application pool was stronger. And it was hard. It was hard re- being rejected and hearing the words no. But no is such a great thing doesn't feel good, never does, but it always works itself out. That's why when a brand tells me no now, it's either, it's fine, right? Even the ones that there's been brand deals that I really, really wanted and was like, no, I'm like, okay, well, what do I got to do? And you know what I've learned? This is something I learned in college too, that I apply every single time. If a brand tells me no, that they aren't ready to work with me, they don't see whatever it is that they are not seeing, or they don't have the budget, I always circle back and ask him pointers that would make me even more uh, presentable. Counter their the offer that they may have had because their budget may not be as high. So counter the counter the offer. But no is not final. It's not always final. And if it's not something that's for me, I don't want just anything, right? But I didn't know that back when I was trying to get back into the working field after being out for like two and three years, I just wanted to work. And I just wanted to make sure I was around some adults because I was tired of being around the, the Barney and Dora and Diego and Yo Gabba Gabba and all the other characters that I've had to watch over the years. And I didn't want to watch and, and change diapers every day of and every second I wanted that break, right? And you know what's funny? Because my husband listens to the podcast as well. There were plenty of times where my husband was like, get out, go and enjoy yourself, go find something that you want to do. And you know what I would say? No, it's okay. But then I can't get mad in the flip when he wants to go out and do things with his friends. But I couldn't or I wouldn't more likely. And in the beginning, I was scared to go out because I didn't feel like I had anybody to go out. So if I was going somewhere, what was I going to do? I was scared. I already had social anxiety. But then there was a point where the my social anxiety turned into a jealousy of him because he already had he's been here his whole life. So he has friendships that he's had since he was a little boy. That are still in his life currently right now that are involved with our kids right now. And for me, it just did not happen that way because my friends are two and a half hours away. One and a half hours to two hours away. So I would run home every argument that he and I, I won't say every argument, but every major argument that he and I had, I would go back home. And by home, that meant being in um, my small town. One of the things that 
he and I put in, well, I'll say more him. He put into place about the fifth year that I had been here. So this was half this time. He said to me in the car, listen, either we are going to make it or we are not. And he had never, like he had said plenty of times about us, you know, let's do better. Let's get an enemy. We've both said it at different times, but the way that a man looks you in the eye and tells you, listen, I'm putting my foot down. We have got to get it together. We have got to make it right. I can't explain to you what that feeling looks like, but if you've ever had a guy, a man, your man, look you in the eye and say, look, shit or get off the pot. Listen, it wasn't about being disrespectful. It was truth. And I had to do it. I didn't have to, but it was like, listen, if I'm ever going to give our relationship, our situation, a fighting chance, this is the moment. And it was also very short after that. He was like, listen, if you make it to year 10, you will be considered a Philly John. John is a Philly term. It means everything. Everything could be John could be everything. And in the back of my mind, I was like, man, we're not going to make it to even year six. So there's no need for you worrying about whether or not I'm going to be here year 10. When I first moved here, after everything was, I had just organized my daughter's room. And I said to myself, I done did all of this. And I'm about to pack this shit back up and get the hell out of here. Straight up. And so feeling that after two weeks <laughs> versus now being here year 10 totally night and day nobody could have told me I was gonna make it this long so he told me that if I got to year 10 that I would be considered a Philly John and let me just say I'm a Philly John because I've made it to 10 years and we're here he has all these surprises set up for today so I can't wait to see what that looks like and definitely having a glass of wine, maybe even two tonight. Just just excited. The pure excitement of knowing that I stuck something out. That I learned to take care of myself. That I've learned to get out here and make some new friends. And that I'm out here socializing with other people. I can't even tell you. That's not. I was not that same woman when I first moved here nowhere near it that girl did not exist that woman did not exist and under no circumstances and so this is true true celebration because it's all about learning to thrive not survive but to thrive i didn't want to survive I think in the first couple of years I was surviving. Then I realized I didn't want to survive. I wanted to thrive. That's when the, that five year hit. And I was like, listen, I got, we got to get on to do better. And ASAP. The one thing that my husband and I have learned to do is to celebrate the big things as well as the small things. And that has helped our relationship and our marriage and us as individuals celebrating every win because we've had some losses so this is a huge win as a couple this is a huge win for me as an individual because more for me as an individual than anything it's like I want to be like give it like my my acceptance speech or something like I've won an award but reality is that I've 
I won over how I felt when I first moved here, but I won over all those things that I used to just sit there and talk about and complain about. Man, I used to complain about anything, air, movement, shoelaces, colors, anything, anything and everything. Do you know how draining of a person I was to be around me to have that much negativity in your life and then expect other people to not point out how negative you are just to walk in that negativity some more? That's got to be the most ridiculous and asinine thing I've ever heard of. But that's where I was. People don't realize, like, if you follow me on my, my personal Facebook, I do have toy time um, as a business one, too. But people wonder why I used to talk about the daily, the national holidays every single day. One of the biggest things was to look forward to have something to celebrate. And to remove myself from a negative mindset to a positive. And that does not happen overnight. I don't care what people say. You don't wake up one day like Mary Poppins after you've been living like the gremlin for every It just doesn't work out that way. So now that I'm able to see life and enjoy life and experience life, I am always looking forward to what's the next thing to celebrate. Like today is National Puzzle Day. I may go in this house and look for one of these puzzles that my kids have and taken all the pieces and done something to it and put one together because it's National Puzzle Day. Why not? I could flip that and say, grab the pieces of your life and put your puzzle back together. That's a blog. But either way, I am super proud of this huge accomplishment. 10 years in Philadelphia. Now I can consider myself a Philly John. I might not even start saying that I'm from such and such. I might start saying I'm from Philly because it's been 10 years now. Like, it don't get no better than that. And I'm so blessed beyond measures to really to just push through and learn everything that I could learn and to really just push past myself and just to be thriving. Like people are asking me, where should they go and do certain things? Well, one, because I'm always everywhere. And number two, I'm always blogging about it. But the third is, is that, listen, I'm actually a place. You should really, you should really come and see me about some things. I probably know some people. And that feels good. Because that's not the little toy that I know 10 years ago. I actually, let me, funny story. I had a, my own car, obviously, when I first moved here. Do you know how many times I let my car sit? And I would sit in my house waiting for my fiance to get home to take me somewhere that I had a car I could have went. That's how bad the, and deep the anxiety was. Like, how do you have a car that has gas that can drive that's in perfect condition and you literally sit in the house with these two kids and you wait for somebody to come and take you. It took me about three months before I'd actually start driving. No lie. Three months. That's how strong this anxiety was on me. Three months. Now I could drive from here back home to my home state, hometown without any problems. I can go a thousand one ways with or without a GPS and I knew it, whatever road I can get on, I could always get off. Got to Philadelphia and was like, nope, not driving. Everybody drives crazy. They drive too fast. Nobody stops at stoplights. Nobody stops at the stop signs. I don't want no parts of that. I'm going to sit right here. And when my husband gets home, my fiance at the time gets home, I'll have him run me to the store. I'll have him run me to the hair salon. I'll have him run me to the nail salon. I'll have him take me to go do this with the kids. That's not healthy. 
None of that. Sitting around waiting for somebody to do something that you know good and darn well they don't want to do makes no sense. So when I hear people say, oh, I can't go anywhere because my husband didn't take me. Like, I understand how that feels because I've done it. But then the flip of it is, is that I can't sit at home waiting 24-7 until they get there. That's crazy. At least to me. So, yeah. Learning to get in my actual car and just go wherever I need to go to is important. It's important to get out and get fresh air. It's important to take care of yourself. It's important to know who you are. And then once you figure out or start the process of figuring out, stop adjusting yourself to every little person that comes around. Like you're not a chameleon, you're a person. So today's episode is just talking to that young woman 10 years ago who was scared, afraid, did not communicate well, got into all kinds of arguments and foolishness because, again, not wanting to be in this space and sharing that space with my mother-in-law. The best thing that ever happened, though, and I will say this, and I'm a, I said this to my husband, we talk about this all the time, but let me publicly say, one of the things that came out of the whole situation with me staying with my mother-in-law without even knowing it is that my mother-in-law has been gone for almost four years. My kids at this point have lived with my mother-in-law longer than they've been without her. And the fact that they had that time with her and that she got to see their everyday inter- interaction with them, she got to see them you know, before bedtime to read stories. She got to see them for Easter and all those different holidays. With her not being here, I am grateful that they had that opportunity. Had we not lived here, their relationship might not have been as close as as it is now or as it was. So my children were able to wake up to their grandmother, hug her every single day, even when I was arguing with her and even when we didn't get along and even when we didn't talk. One thing I never did was stop her from being with her kids, her grandkids. I might not have liked everything she slipped and gave them because, you know, I wanted to be in control. Those are my kids, but they had their grandmothers and they knew to this day, they know she has their back. My youngest has been drawing stories of her. She had, she was young. She was about too young to probably even fully grasp the love that she had for her, like my older two kids, but she's been writing and drawing pictures. And it's amazing how her memory, when you think that they're too young to remember something, but she remembers certain things that I didn't, I mean, I knew I remember because I was there, I'm older, but I didn't think she would knew, but she drew it exactly how it was. So that's the one thing that I'm, I am grateful that I can honestly say that that at least happened. It happened in spite of me that the kids were able to have that one-on-one time with her for the small amount of time that they had with her. And I'm so grateful like to think about her not being here. And then in addition to her not having that moment would be more heartbreaking. So who knew, but God, that that all had to work out that way. So 10 years today, all day celebrating can't wait to see what my husband has got and done and we're going to do today and it's going to be an amazing day 
you know, I'll talk about it next week and see all the things that we're down. And, you know, you can always catch on the blog or follow me on social media, too. I'm on social media as Toy Time Blog pretty much across all channels. But trust. It's a celebration. I'm excited. And I'm excited for the things that have come out and come about. So to that young woman 10 years ago, who probably there's no probably cried begged I got my kids in the car so many times to leave so many thousand one times and I'm going back home going back home I came back home I'm glad that she decided to stick it out because what wouldn't have lasted two weeks has not lasted 10 and that's something to be excited about so have a glass of wine put it in the air think of me I will put it in the air and think of all of you and enjoy your weekend here in Philadelphia. It's, it's a bitter cold today. I mean, it's brick. It's the wind chill. It's like nine degrees a day. And there's a huge snowstorm or so they're saying coming on Sunday night into Monday. So whatever the case, stay safe, get to the grocery store before everybody starts, you know, grabbing all the bread and the milk for no reason and eggs, all that stuff. Get to the store, but take care of yourself this weekend. Find something that you enjoy. I know I'm going to be doing the same the weekend. I always find at least one or two activities that I really, really need to do. Now, granted, sometimes it's catching up with stuff that I didn't do during the week, but I always try to leave a little plate, a little spot on my plate for building myself back up. I do that every single day, not just the weekends. So have yourself a great weekend and have yourself an extremely safe, warm week next week and as warm as you can possibly get it. We will be back next week with episode number six. I think, yeah, number six. And if you didn't get a chance, I'm going to uh, pin it at the, the comment section. But I did a bonus episode with Rania Brown. And she is such an amazing young lady. She knew at the age of eight years old that she was going to be an actress. And she has been doing everything that she can to do just that. She's been playing in production plays, all kinds of amazing things. So catch that interview as well. And I will talk to you next week. Thank you as always for joining me. And I know that even in the deepest or joyful conversations, that there's something we can learn and apply. Until next time, I hope that you are doing better. If not, we will be back to talk some more and handle it. Peace to you and yours. Stay grounded.